news for you Boston Bruins fans out there. Patrice Bergeron won an award he usually wins every single year. The bad news, everyone is injured except Patrice Bergeron. At least that's what it seems like we'll discuss in a little bit. Uh, meanwhile, the Carolina Hurricanes, the team that knocked the Bruins out, also picking up the pieces after dropping Game 7 to the New York Rangers. We debate and discuss what happens next. And speaking of the four teams still alive, we recap both of the conference final series. Episode 323 of the Lace Up Podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to Lace Them Up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. Uh, where do you want to go first, Brett? Uh, good news or bad news for your team? I feel like you want good news first. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting. I, I guess let's let's do the bad news first because that has happened first. Um, yeah, that's usually how we do it. Okay, yeah, bad yeah. news first. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> it, it, it will numb the pain and, I mean... It is kind of a dumb thing because everyone, uh, I already know both news stories. So, um, but anyways, yeah. So, uh, the Bruins are going to uh, be out a couple players uh, to start the year um, this this following year. Uh, Brad Mar- uh, a couple of weeks ago, I guess we, we kind of like have avoided talking about like other teams' issues, like even the Bruins, even though you know we have a, we have a fan of the two of us, but um, you know it was kind of just like okay, we'll we'll just get to it uh, eventually in the summer, but uh, but yeah, now it's gotten to the point where it's like okay, well we'd have to talk about it now. Um, so Brad Marchand uh, was reported that he had uh, hip surgery on May twenty seventh on that, that was on Friday. Um, and he's going to be out for six months, so that would mean that he's out until like Thanksgiving, basically. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, last Friday, or you know, this Friday, this Friday, June third, we find out that uh, not only is Charlie McAvoy have a shoulder sur- surgery, not only does Matt Grizzlick have <laughs> is getting shoulder surgery. But Mike Riley is also getting an ankle surgery, um, and that means, and all three of them are going to be out for like until December. Um, so and all three of them are defensemen. Should emphasize, yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, you, you know, the Bruins still have Brandon Carlo, and um, yeah, that's about it. Um, but uh, Hampus Lindholm and, and, Lindholm and uh, Forbort. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the Bruins, yeah, they no longer have Urho Vakaninen. Um, they used to, I mean, they did have, I guess, um, Zaboral should be back by now. Um, but, um, but yeah, so it's a huge blow for the Bruins. Um, and like, not to mention the fact that we don't know when Bergeron will be back or if he'll be back, if he's going to retire or sign with the Bruins too. So it's also one of those things where you can't really like do a cap circumvention a la Kucherov because like these all three all four of these players are going to be back um, by uh, December, so it's like you're 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 kind of screwed if you 
uh, if you plan for um, them to be out for the whole season until the playoffs. So, um, also not to mention, I, I like yeah, as as good as Pasternak and Swayman are, I, I don't think the Bruins will make the playoffs if uh, Marshawn and McAvoy and Grizzlick are out for the entire year. Um, so, anyways, um, but uh, yeah, so it's definitely unfortunate, but. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy that uh, this happens, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just doom and gloom for the Bruins um, folk here um, in Boston. But um, yeah, maybe it's just like a sign that um, of what things are going to look like in, in a few years. <laughs> Although uh, without, yeah, especially if Bergeron retires this coming year, it's just like now I'm just thinking like, oh, we should uh, let's let's. Uh, um, let's try to get, uh, Connor Bedard. Um, like I'm going to be full on the Connor Bedard thing. Uh, the other thing of note before I toss it over to you, Marshawn's hip surgery is the same hip surgery that Ryan Kessler had, uh, that ended his career. Um, and, um, that scares me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, hopefully Marshawn is, is good to go. So we'll see. Yeah, remember when I said uh, that I wasn't worried about the Bruins? I take it back now. Yeah. I'm a bit worried. Also, yeah. uh, very, yeah. very pointless anecdote. I was just checking the WHL standings, and Connor Bedard finished fourth in WHL scoring with 100 points this year. That's crazy. And he's like seven, he's 16 years old, so that's nuts. Um, His team didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That's even crazy. Yeah, yeah. Fourth in league scoring at that age, and his team didn't make the playoffs. They wow. missed the playoffs by two points. Jeez, that's crazy. Um, yeah, not even a first round yeah. didn't make the playoffs. I mean, the, so the Bruins could still make the playoffs. It's just like, you know, once you get those guys back, who knows how healthy they're going to be. And um, even like then it's like, okay, we're getting these guys back by the um, start of December. It's like, yeah, you could, you just have to have like an unreal second half basically. Um, and, and truly get going. So it is possible, but um, it doesn't seem likely, especially in a tough division in the, like the Atlantic. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be brutal watching them in October and November. But, um, yeah, we'll see. Um, if, if, in theory, yeah. if they survive, I mean, this this could be one neck of a story we're witnessing. True, true. Yeah, like a la the... They have a shot when you consider the bottom four in their division. Yeah, a la the uh, St. Louis Blues in 2019. But yes, you're you're right. Um, anyways, in good news, uh, Patrice Bergeron uh, gets his fifth Selkie Trophy. That is a record. Um, not even Bob Gainey, who this award was basically designed for, uh, got that far. Um, and um, yeah, it was it was insane. Um, you know, it, like this really should have been his eighth. Because uh, he was robbed out of a, a few of them beforehand, but um, at the same time, I'm just glad that he's gotten his due. Um, what's insane here is they finally did the they did they showed the Selkie Trophy voting. Patrice Bergeron got 160 first place votes. Uh, the next closest, which was Elias Lindholm, uh, he only got 21 first place votes. So um, so almost more than double votes on uh for patrice bergeron or or even more than double um let's see here actually 
I do the math correctly. Uh, so they have Patrice Bergeron had a seventeen thousand points of voter points, and Elias Lindholm had eight hundred and seventy-eight points. Yeah, that's double the amount of points uh, from the next person. So he absolutely dominated, um, and he had a crazy year. Um, so like it was well deserved. Like all the advanced metrics, um, he had like. The most, like, it was an historic season for him. It, like, was indisputable. Um, and, um, yeah, so so I, I'm just proud that he was able to do this. And they really should be calling it the, the Patrice Bergeron Trophy from now on. Or until, it, like, I, I would assume he'll do it after he retires. But, um, but yeah, I, I just, uh, it's, it's uh, crazy. Like, what an achievement. Um, and, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, there was only one guy... Uh, who didn't put Bergeron on his uh, on his ballot or any of the any of the slots, um, any of the you know first, second, third, fourth, or fifth, and that was uh, Lance Likowski of the Buffalo um, Times, I guess. Um, and which is funny again because yeah. like not not like Mark Lazarus is covering a team that is out of the Bruins conference. And this guy practically sees Bergeron like four times a year max. Yeah. <laughs> so he probably knows what he's capable of at this point. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh... Oh, actually, okay. <laughs> so Lance Likowski says, I just alerted the PHWA, not going to screenshot my initial email for voting because I don't need to. Full disclosure, Bergeron was first on my ballot, followed by Sorelli, O'Reilly, Marshawn, and Erickson Eck. Uh, nice job trying to send your followers after me, really professional, to Dale Arnold. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, Okay, yeah. so someone screwed up. Either yeah. he's calling people, uh, either he's calling people up yeah. to save his cloud, or right, right. stuff and make him look bad. Yeah, yeah, he just got feisty there. But, um, but yeah, anyways, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it was better than, like, um, and and also uh, remember if you remember last year I um, um, all these Bruins fans got on Mark Lazarus for not even putting Bergeron in his top five, um, and um, and yeah so it was just um, um, and and this time Mark Lazarus did put Bergeron first so that was nice to see but and you know what yeah. I think at the very least Mark Lazarus was quick to just like okay. I know I'm gonna get heat for this, but right. here's my reasoning. Here well, we go. At least yeah. he provided a reason. Sort of. I mean, his reasoning was still dumb because he was he he basically said that yeah, Bergeron explained it. <laughs> kind of. He just said that there's other uh, two-way forwards that aren't Bergeron. <laughs> just like yeah, yeah Bergeron's really good, but uh, like there's other people. It's like that's not a, really an excuse. He it's like. He's admitting, he's admitting that he hates Bergeron. But anyways, that, that's besides the point. Um, I, I am glad that he, uh, he called out, he was the guy who questioned um, Bill Wirtz uh, for his actions at the town hall meeting. So, it's, you know, we're okay now. Um, now. Now, just out of curiosity, before we go any further... I don't have the Selkie voting in front of me. Like, do you have the actual spreadsheet of like every single person that got nominated for the Selkie? I I don't have. Oh, I do have like. Uh, so Frank Saravelli did post like every single vote. 
uh, that everyone had. I, I, but, I know they have a voting breakdown, so I'm just curious, like, are there any oh. names on the Selkie list that you saw you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. wow, I'm kind of surprised he got nominated for got the it, Selkie, got like, even if just, like, a fifth place. Yeah, show. yeah, there was a couple. Um, Rasmus Asplund got three votes, uh, fourth one fourth place vote and one, uh, oh, sorry, one third place vote and one fourth place vote. That's even crazier. Okay. Valerie Nachushkin got one third place vote and then six fifth place votes. Um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, Joel Erickson Eck, uh, I guess, Phil Deneau were seventh and eighth. Uh, what was surprising yeah, was. So, first off, I didn't even realize Wayne Gretzky had a vote in here, and he oh. voted um, Anze Kopitar first. Uh, so, that was that was oh. funny. Um, yeah, that was, that was interesting. But, um, yeah, actually, let me... Uh, I, I, I feel like we're taking too much time on this. Cause, um, no, no, but, but you, you got what I was going after. Like, yeah. Nachushkin and uh, Asplund, those are guys that would not be on my ballot, to be honest. Right, right, right. But I, yeah. it, it's just... It's, it's just those names where I'm just thinking, I feel like for most of these guys, we should be keeping our eye on them because they could probably be getting more votes in the future if they continue to yeah, yeah. elevate their, their game plan. But it, it's just with a guy like Nakushkin, who's been in the league for quite some time, um, you're, it is upside is basically set in stone. You kind of know what kind of player he's going to be. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's more so the young guys that I was interested in. So Rasmus Asplund, okay, I'll keep my eye on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, oh, okay, so I found Gretzky's full Selkie ballot. Kopitar, Lindholm, Bergeron, Barkov, and O'Reilly. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of okay. kind of crazy. Um, which, I mean, I guess... Yeah, I yeah. mean, not terrible, but not bad. But yeah, it's, it is it is funny, though, that he, like, he never really played defense. <laughs> so it's just like, why are you... Um, like, how does he get a vote? Um, but... Yeah, true. That is a good um, point. If you saw the feed, you would yeah, know. Right, right, right. Um, and then, um, oh, uh, another thing, speaking of Gretzky, um, maybe this is why Ber he uh, didn't put Bergeron first. Uh, this was an NHL record 11th consecutive season in which Bergeron was named a finalist for the award. It is the most consecutive seasons a player has been named a finalist for an award in NHL history, surpassing Wayne Gretzky's 10th straight season as a Hart Trophy finalist. So, um, yeah, I think that's why. Well, although he, he did vote <laughs> he did vote Bergeron third. Uh, but, yeah, maybe he's just trying to protect his own um, his own. Uh, Record. It's like Gretzky. You have a million of awards. Do you really care about that one? Um, uh, anyways, um, all right. Uh, then we go to another Atlantic Division team. Um, meanwhile, um, before we get going on the other stuff, um, we have here that um, Carey Price wins the Masterton. Um, of course, he uh, he went to rehab for most of the year, um, and then played four games uh, for the Habs, um, and uh, and yeah, and he he did he did all right, but uh, of course, like that doesn't matter, um, just as long as he played and you know he showed perseverance and all that stuff. Um, the only like critique I would have though is that I do feel like he would. Um, like, I, w I wonder if he's going to win next year if he does play again. Because it's like, 
you know, this year he like yeah, it's great that to see that he came back from the season, but it's also impressive if he can play like a full season again, um, coming back from that. So like we might have a chance to see him win back to back Mastertons, uh, uh, which would be insane. But uh, but yeah, good for him of course, and that's um, that's good to hear. Um, and then yeah, uh, do you have any? Thing else on Carey Price before we get to the other Habs news. It's it's the fact mostly that he played. I mean, yeah. this is a guy that was also rehabbing an injury on top of going to rehab. Right. Um, that was part of the reason why he was expected to miss time, and this was relatively unexpected. And just the fact that the Habs were in such shambles when he returned as well. Um, he, he probably could have just waited until next season, but... He was really eager to come back and and prove that he that he was healthy enough to play and that he could hold his own and <laughs> in front of that in front of that uh, Swiss cheese defense that the Habs were icing uh, towards the second half in particular the first half. I mean, didn't re- didn't really set himself up uh, for success. You look at the stats this year; they weren't very good, but. Just the way that he handled that process with with a lot of grace and a lot of courage, and just it, it, it was just a gutsy performance all around. He the Dak was stacked, stacked against him pretty much, but yep. he he stood up. He he conquered his fears. Whatever obstacles were in his way, he took care of them and he got back on the ice. And um, he, he I don't think he really like rushed the process he he took his time throughout that and uh if anyone knows his limitations i would imagine it's the guy that's played in montreal for all those years and right and knows what he can what he can't do um you do make an interesting point about next year what happens if he has a vesna like season right right i mean they, they might have to give it to him again yeah 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 <laughs> like, i don't know who else you, you give it to yeah well the master chain is always such a weird award because it's always it's basically just like like whoever went through a huge hardship and like <laughs> you just award the person who did that. Um, so like you could have made a case like Kevin Hayes should have gotten it just cause he had to deal yeah. with his brothers dying. But, um, but yeah, no, it, it is great. Um, of course it's like, you know, and it's also like hard to be like, well, it actually should have been this guy cause his tragedy was even worse. So it's like, I, I feel like a jerk for even saying all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I know. So, so I, I, you know, obviously it's great, but, um, yeah, I just looked at Carey Price's, um, stats this year. Uh, yeah, he played in a five game, so I was wrong with that. He went one and four, um, and had a 3.63 GAA and a 8.8, save percentage. So not, not great, obviously, and it is small sample size, but yeah, of course, as you were mentioning, I think that's like the least important thing is just that as long as he was able to like, you know, just even playing again is, is, um, is, uh, is, uh, praiseworthy. Um, so, so that's great to see. Um, okay. Um, and then, um, and then Martin St. Louis, he, uh, he resigns with the Montreal Canadiens. This wasn't like a huge surprise, uh, by, by me. Uh, cause like the Habs, Ended up playing, like, decently with, with him there. Um, it is kind of interesting, though, because, like, I think that's what happened when D- Ducharme was hired. Uh, Ducharme was able to, like, 
get the guys going um, and, and, you know, brought them to the Stanley Cup Finals as an interim coach. And then they do the same thing um, the following year. Um, can you hear me, Steve, by the way? Uh, no, you, you cut out for a quick sec, uh, actually. I oh, okay. Yeah, I just noticed my, my internet was down. But, I, I mean, my, oh, okay. it, it did pick up from the mic. I was just saying that it wasn't a huge surprise because it was um, yeah. it was basically um, – Yeah, it was basically uh, just from the standpoint that he, um, you know, uh, like he he did really well when uh, he got the chance. Um, I'm just looking up his coach his coach statistics here, um, if I can find it quickly. I'm um, yeah, he oh, doesn't have his record as a coach here, but. Um, but yeah, it's, it is nice to see. Um, I know that like Colt guys like Cole Caulfield and Ryan Suzuki finally figure, uh, picked things up once he was in charge. Um, and then, yeah, when you, when you dropped off, I was just saying how, um, sorry audience for hearing this again, but, um, the, uh, I, I was just saying how like, it, it is interesting just from the standpoint of like the last interim coach that turned into a head coach for the Habs was uh, Dominic Ducharme and uh, Ducharme um, and, and you know so I am curious to see if like St. Louis is able to like I, I don't know if that's going to happen again but it, it, it will be interesting to see if like uh, Martin St. Louis can uh, figure it out um, beforehand so yeah but like I, I, I think it was to be expected and, and all that stuff so yeah what do you have on Martin St. Louis? See, the, the thing with the Montreal Canadiens is they need to look at what the success of this team needs to be moving forward. Sure, they could get better, more experienced coaches, but you need a coach right now that needs to rely on the young guys because the young guys are their present and they are also the future. And you saw what happened in the likes of Dominic Ducharme after the Stanley Cup run wore off. Cole Caulfield was struggling, Nick Suzuki was struggling, a lot of people were struggling, and they didn't trust the young guys enough. They Martin St. Louis gave the young guys confidence. You need those guys, likes of Alex Romanov as well, um, Justin Barron, who they got uh, in the Archery Lekkonen trade, I want to say, uh, with Colorado. Um, all of the prospects and draft picks they're getting, they got a lot of draft picks in this year's draft. You need to make sure you're investing in that youth movement, and you need to make sure you have the coach that can get the best out of that youth movement. At the end of his three-year deal, I don't know if St. Louis is still going to be the coach that Montreal needs to get them into a regular playoff contender, but I think for the next three years, as you build up that youth movement, as you put more trust into those young players, you need a guy that can give those young players those opportunities, and I think St. Louis can do that, and he can get results yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, also, uh, so yeah, I just looked. Um, he uh, he coached uh, the Habs to a 14-19-4 record 
So not great, but um, but yeah, I think that was not just, great. But if you saw if you yeah. saw the state of the team before he took over, right. night and day difference, I would call that yeah, a yeah. significant improvement. Oh yeah, yeah, I, that, that's what I was about to say. It's just like it's it's not great, but at the same time, it's like it's more of like um, it was more of a sign of just how like how terrible the Habs were beforehand. Um, so, if and, I remember correctly, they had what, like, I don't think even 10 wins. I think it was like yeah. eight or nine of the season and they were like 40, 50 games deep. Right. I, I just remember that I think Cole Caulfield had like one goal before Martin St. Yeah, Louis. Yeah, he was struggling mildly too. Yeah. And then, um, and then when he came back, yeah, he had 23 goals. Uh, so it's like, uh, sorry, 22 extra goals, uh, from that. So it's like, okay. So Cole Caulfield, um, might be might be back next year. Um, uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, we'll, we'll see what he can, he can do in the, uh, like with a full season and getting more comfortable. I did, I did see a quote that he said that the only other team that was interested in him was his son's, uh, junior, like, uh, midget junior team, which I thought was funny, but, um, but yeah, that are like that was the only two offers that he was considering. But uh, I, I thought that was funny. Um, all right, we'll do the uh, Carolina Hurricanes obituary before we get into the next two series here. Um, the uh, yeah, so we we both were off on on this. Uh, we thought that Carolina was going to beat the Rangers in Game Seven, um, and yeah, that didn't end up happening. Um, yeah, it was kind of crazy too, cause there was that whole thing of like, they never, they lose their, uh, like they had that streak going of never losing a home game, but losing, um, all the road games as well. And yeah, they, they finally lost the road game. Um, and I guess that's like a telltale sign of what's, um, you know, what was their issue this whole playoffs is that, like, they just never got going. Because good teams, great teams, they should win on the road. It doesn't matter if you're at home or not. Um, so so maybe that, that is a, a big uh, reason why they were uh, doing that. But, um, but yeah, it wasn't, um, you know, they just didn't play great. Um, yeah, they looked good at home until the Game 7. And, uh, yeah, the Rangers were just the better team. Um, of course. By the way, uh, just yeah. just putting this out there, they were twenty five, twelve, and four away from home. The Carolina Hurricanes this season, by the way. Great! Wow! Wow! Um, of course, it doesn't help that like Freddie Anderson didn't end up playing, and then Ranta gets injured uh, in Game Seven as well, and Seth Jarvis does um, as well. So, um, so they were they were battling injuries, but at this point, every every team has some players that are injured. Uh, we will get to the Seth Jarvis stuff in a second, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, I, I guess you could make a case for that, but like at the same time, it's like Sveshnikov was basically invisible the entire playoffs and, and that shouldn't happen. Um, you know, he's, he's expected to be a scorer and he was not a scorer this whole time. Um, in terms of free agents, uh, there's quite a few of them. Um, so in terms of UFAs, you have... Max Domi, Nino Nitterreiter, Derek Stepan, Vincent Trocek, um, Ian Cole, and Brandon Smith as UFAs. RFAs, uh, the biggest one is probably uh, Tony D'Angelo. Uh, you also have Ethan Bear as an RFA, uh, Stephen Lawrence, and Marcus ne- Martin Nikish. Um, 
think that's how you pronounce his last name. Or Nikash. No, I think it's Nikash. Is that right? Anyways, I'm, I apologies to Martin Nikash, um, or however you pronounce your last name. I, I'm probably skewering, skewering it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I guess the, the, the main guys that they have to focus on signing are probably TDA um, and Nikish. Um, I, I, Trocek is an interesting case because he is 28 years old. He's probably going to be asking a lot of money um, and will get some on the open market as well. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think the Hurricanes' problem is more that, like, like yeah, as good as Sebastian Ajo is, Sebastianikov and Terabinen are, they don't really have a ton of depth. Um, so it's like, yeah, Trocek is, is good and he is serviceable, but I, I feel like they're not on the Tampa Bay level of depth or the Florida Panthers level of depth, and um, I think that's what ended up being their, their downfall. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they didn't. You can argue that they didn't have um, the depth or or just the timely plays. Honestly, uh, the the road stuff again. They lost one too many road games. If they, it, it's hard to believe this, but if you look at the road losses too, like they had home ice advantage throughout the balance of the playoffs, um, unless they faced Florida. Yeah. If you look at or the Colorado. Carolina Hurricanes, yeah, or Colorado. If you look at the Carolina Hurricanes and you look at the teams they played Bruins, they win games one and two at home. If they win their first row game, which is game three, they take a three nothing series lead. Yep. Okay, they didn't win that, but then, you know, they could take a three one series lead, or the Bruins tied the series. Or they could eliminate the Bruins in, in game six. Oh, wait, they lost that too. And it was the same pattern with the New York Rangers. If they lose, or sorry, if they win any of those road games that they lose, it could be a different story. They could be in the conference finals right now. And the timing of those losses just couldn't be worse. They they couldn't have picked a worse time to decide, yeah, um, we're not winning a single road game in these playoffs, so there's not much we can do about it. It's like the Florida Panthers suddenly going one for 31 in the power play. Sometimes weird things just happen in sports. But it does leave you wondering if this team has enough of those characteristics to go in a deep playoff run. Now, the good news for the Carolina Hurricanes is they have a lot of options in terms of cap space. They don't have to keep Max Domi in his cap hit. They don't have to keep Nito Niederreiter in his cap hit. That alone saves eight, nine, ten million to go out there and maybe trade for JT Miller or sign a big name free agent like Johnny Gaudreau if they really wanted to. Vincent Trocheck, I would probably hang on to him, but they they don't have to necessarily keep his cap hit. So they can um, essentially let him walk in free agency. You also have Jordan Stall and Jesper Fast coming up the books after next year. Uh, there's a lot of um, there's there's a lot of flexibility that they could uh, make too. And Tony D'Angelo is going to be an interesting case because of obviously the character stuff I think for the most part um, they they got him figured out this year if he continues that I think he's worth keeping yep. around if he's not going to be that big of a distraction I don't think their goaltending was the issue this year I think given the circumstances they did as well as they could uh, looking at Freddie Anderson uh, he apparently had a torn MCL 
and was close to returning, but unfortunately, yeah. the Hurricanes didn't live uh, long enough to see that. But if I'm the Carolina Hurricanes, I don't want to get too far ahead of the game plan and start overcommitting to people because these are the guys that you're going to need to focus your core around. Brad Pesci, whose contract ends uh, after the 2023-24 season. After that, Jacob Slavin, who has three years left on his deal, counting next year. And then you have Sebastian Ajo, who in two years is going to be a free agent. And he's at a bargain cap it too. So those three guys, you want to make sure that you don't overspend on your cap space right now so that when it comes time to keep those guys, you can. Because ultimately, those are going to be the cornerstone faces of this team that you need to keep around. Andre Spashnikov, you don't need to worry about him because he's committed long term. And then there's also pieces like Yasperi Kokniemi, Martin uh, Nikash, or however, uh, Martin, I'm sorry, you pronounce yeah. it, Seth Garbus, uh, maybe prospects like Jack Drury, Ryan Suzuki, uh, to name a few, uh, Dominic Bach, who's been in the system, Noel Gundler coming up the pipeline, Alexander Passion as well. Those prospects at some point are going to find their way on the NHL roster. And you kind of need to look at some of those young guys and debate, okay, do we need to go out there and spend for a big-name asset to come here, or can we trust these young guys to get the job done? And I think that's something that Don Waddell is going to have conversations with with this front office staff is, do we trust the young guys where we can go into next year, not really spend too much, and say we like the team that we have? So that's that's something also to consider. Right, right. Um, yeah, that's that's totally fair. Um, I, I I do think that, or I do wonder if this team did have Freddie Anderson. How like if like what would that have made the bigger difference? It probably would have, um, assuming he's healthy. But yeah, I guess that that's the part of sports. It's like you're always going to have those what ifs kind of moments. Um, so so yeah, you'll see. But. Um, but yeah, it, you know, like I think, like from last year, their goaltending was their issue. But, um, but yeah, this year it's like yeah, and even like without anti, uh, sorry, even without Freddie Anderson, their, um, you know, anti Ranta didn't like wasn't the reason why the Hurricanes uh, weren't aren't in the playoffs anymore. So, um, so I, I think that is a contributing factor for sure. Um, okay, uh, so now we get to um, the actual series. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Colorado and Edmonton, um, it's 3-0 uh, Colorado. Uh, the first, uh, the first uh, game was actually, like, very much, um, like, exactly what we expected a Carol, uh, Colorado uh, Edmonton series was going to look like just a lot of scoring, and um, and and all that stuff. So um, so that was that was definitely fun, but um, but yeah, it was it was definitely um, uh, yeah, it was eight to six uh, Colorado. Um, there was some controversy where uh, just 
at towards the end of the second period, uh, Kale McCarr enters the blue line, um, and um, and uh, it looks like it's kind of offsides, but uh, like because like Nichushkin is just getting out of the penalty box, and um, and then like there's like some technicality where Makar like touches the puck just before um, or just after Nichushkin gets uh, back out of the blue line, and like um, and then the Oilers challenge it, and um, and it gets overturned, but like. It's such, like, a minimal thing where it's just, like, then we have this debate about, like, the off-season, like, the offside stuff of, like, you know, because, like, this this hasn't been the first time where we have this debate of, like, is offside. It won't be. It won't be. I actually heard someone mention that they should just get rid of the blue line um, entirely. (laughs) And, you know, like, it sounds crazy, but I'm I'm actually, you know, I, I don't, I don't, like I'm, I'm kind of for that. Like you know, it is kind of stupid too, because like, even if Nachushkin was offsides, it doesn't have an effect on the play. Um, like you know, Kel McCarr would have still scored that goal, because basically what happened was McCarr just goes in and he scores <laughs> um, right away. I mean, maybe you can make the case that like the uh, Oilers just assumed that it was offsides and it wasn't called, so they just weren't as prepared, but. At the same time, it's Kale McCarr. It's like, <laughs> you should expect it to happen anyways. Um, so, so, so allow yeah. me to offer a bit of clarification because uh, I got some insights uh, from Callum Fraser who works as a sense be writer for NHL.com. Okay. And he cleared things up to me as to why the refs called this a goal in this case. It wasn't about offside or not. It was about possession at the time Colorado re-entered the zone. Because, as you might recall, the puck was out of the zone, and then Colorado, uh, the Colorado Skiers, uh, Rantanen, I believe yeah. in this case, was trying like heck to just get out of Dodge, get out of the zone, so that the Avs could re-enter. But at the time he was trying to get out of the zone, the Avs didn't as- regain and fully establish puck possession. Like, it looked like Makar was, like, going for the puck and the puck was, like, rolling and hopping or whatever. But it apparently the NHL um, uh, upstairs, I guess, felt the abs hadn't established puck possession at the time yep. it looked offside. And now the question's going to be, well, is that another thing the NHL is going to look at in the offseason and change the rule for offsides? Probably, and probably the rule is going to change. But for the time being, they felt it was a good goal, and they stuck with their guns, and that's why they called it a goal. It was all about possession at the time where the play looked looked like it was offside and whether or not Colorado had established it. And I guess they felt they didn't, and here we are. Yeah, I mean, that was very technical. And, yeah, I I, I find the whole offsides rule so dumb anyway, so it's just like, all right. (laughs) It all starts with the mileless heck offside from Matt Duchesne. Right, right, right. that's how we got here. The Avs started this, and, yeah, the Avs are in another controversy again. Um, By the way, Mike... In fairness, though, Mike Smith doesn't stop that shuffle car that was leaving. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I I guess you could make a case, like, it's kind of like the equivalent to um, in football if it's a catch or not. Um, 
because like there there you could make a case that maybe like the Oilers were expecting that to be called off sides and um and they just weren't as prepared or whatever but like at the same time as you're as we're both mentioning it's like this is Kel McCarr you're talking about like so it's you know he like Mike Smith like probably wouldn't have gotten it anyways and not to mention the fact that like Nachushkin like I can understand it if like Nachushkin was a part of the play that led to the goal but Nachushkin like first off he barely like if it if you do call it offsides I, I, I see it but like if you do call it offsides then it's like you're um like then fine but uh he didn't even like you know uh, like Nutrushkin had no effect on the on the goal, so it's just like it is kind of dumb when you really think about it. Um, second game, uh, so Kemper is actually injured, um, and Pavel Francouz is now the goalie, um, and yeah, he shuts out the Oilers, uh, which is insane. Um, and then, um, so yeah, good for him. Um, Nazem Kadri had three assists. I'm in that game. And then speaking of Kadri, uh, then late um, in the first period of the third game, game three, um, uh, Kadri goes to the boards to retrieve a puck, and Evander Kane, of all people, uh, pummels him, basically, uh, cross-checks him. My mom actually told me that Kadri got hurt, and I'm first thing that went to my head with Jim, just like, it wasn't a Vader King. Right, 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 right. yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, it's just like, you know, Kadri was involved with the, like, other uh, scenario in the first series, um, or against the Blues, not the first series, the, the second round, and, um, and yeah, this round, it's just like, you know, you would kind of like, like this one, it's like, he's even more of the victim because like Padre didn't do anything wrong there. Um, it's just Evander Kane who shouldn't even be in the league in the first place, uh, due to the whole sexual assault case that he's, um, a part of. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's insane here. Um, sorry, I'm a little bit distracted here outside my window. There's a ambulance. Um, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, Hopefully nothing serious. No, but it's blocking a major high, uh, a major road of Mass Ave, so <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Oh. Yeah, there's two. Yeah, so there a bunch of cars. Yeah, there's just a bunch of cars now. I don't know what's going on. Um. Anyways. Um. Back to back to the hockey world, not real life. Um. There's uh. Yeah. So so what I was saying is so. Anyways, it was boarding. Uh, Evander Kane does get three. Uh. uh sorry, five minutes. A major, um, and um, and he he doesn't he still plays though, which is insane because uh, it should be looked at. Um, and then um, and then uh, Kadri is out for the rest of the game. Uh, later on, Jared Benar confirms that Kadri is going to be out for at least the series, um, no matter what happens. Um, so so yeah, that that was not great. Um, and yeah, you just feel bad for Nassim Kadri again. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I don't even think they're, um, do you have the latest on, oh, let, let's, let's get your take first. Um, unless, do you have the latest on, like, if the NHL is even going to look at this? 
I can confirm that the NHL is going to have a hearing okay. with Vander Kane. I have no idea how that hearing is going yeah. to end. What that was um, um, that was six hours I, ago. I as just far as I know, as far as I know, it's not an in-person hearing. Which, if it's yeah. an in-person hearing, it's at least five games right off the hop. But it didn't say in-person hearing. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, he is getting a if, hearing. If, if they even give a suspension, it, my guess is one to two games. Honestly. Yeah, which is which is but. insane because like. The, that kind of hitch, like it was, it was definitely an intent to injure. Um, like, so it's just insane to me that like, that's the case. But what? Uh, I see. It's tough for me to approve that's intent to injure. However, it's a bang bang play. He hits him behind. Uh, hits him from behind on the numbers cross check into the boards. It's a safe play. No business in the game and needs to be suspended for it. Yeah. So. Um, Again, I think it's probably going to be one to two games, and it should be noted, if it's not fully served, uh, uh, if the Oilers get eliminated, that carries over into next season if Evander Kane is, uh, right. it even gets a chance to play next season, that is. Um, but yeah, it, it's tough for Edmonton because Evander Kane, say what you want about him off the ice, on the ice this year for the Edmonton Oilers, particularly in the playoffs, he's been yeah. one of their best goal scorers. And he potentially takes himself out of a do-or-die situation. And the Oilers, in order for them to win this series, are going to have to win four of those in a row. And anything less, their season is done. Right. Not having Evander Kane there is obviously a big inconvenience, which is kind of funny in a very sad and cruel kind of way. Because isn't that what happened to Nazem Kadri a couple of times? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. That's like the definition uh, of irony. Yeah, exactly. Um, It should also be noted, by the way, that um, this being game three, the Colorado Avalanche in this series have only scored two power play goals against the Edmonton Oilers. That's it. And in that game, they went over five on the power play, including that five-minute major that they got from the Evander Kane play, which is something they'll also consider the fact he got five-minute game for that. Right. Um, The thing that is working against the Edmonton Oilers when they're on the penalty kills, of course, it doesn't really permit Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid to do their thing because now all of a sudden they have to defend McKinnon and McCarr and Ranton and Alanis and whoever else all at once, and you're basically hemmed in your own zone, fighting the puck, not really being allowed to create offense, offensive opportunities to, you know, score goals, which you kind of need to do if you're going to beat the abs. Um, and if it's like game one, you need more than six. Yeah. So, um, in, in terms of the long-range game, the fact that uh, the Avalanche are just getting power play opportunities is putting Edmonton behind the eight ball. And the Oilers just haven't gotten that solid start that they've been looking for. Whenever they have gotten a breath of life, Colorado's been able to just yank it away from them. Like, uh like, even in Game 2, Colorado, I think, got a 3 nothing lead within a span of, like, 3, 4, 5 minutes of the yep. second period. So, yeah, Colorado is, just like Edmonton, can score well offensively. But like I said, they can also defend. And Josh Manson, a guy that isn't really known for scoring goals, has a goal in this series. But he can shut you down just as much as he can score the odd goal. And guys like JT Comfer, who has three goals in this series too, again, yep. not an electrifying Nathan McKinnon type, but a guy that wins puck battles, won a crucial puck battle to get to that uh, 
point of the Oilers zone where he could just get a shot off. He gets a shot off, it squeaks through Mike Smith, and that's the game winner of game three. It's those little plays that Colorado also excels in that make the difference, and the Oilers haven't been getting enough of those, and it's cost them. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, so some standouts for Colorado. Uh, you did mention JT Confer. He's been impressive so far. He has three goals. Um, and then Miko Rantanen is leading uh, Colorado uh, with five points. Uh Nathan McKinnon has four points, uh, Makar and Kadri all, um, and Devin Taves all have four points as well. Um, and then on the Edmonton side of things, uh, so keep in mind that they were shut out. Um, Conor David has four points, uh, there, and, uh, and then everyone else basically has two points. McLeod, Derek Ryan, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman, Evander Kane, Leon Dreisaitl, and Darnell Nurse, and Brett Kulak. Uh, there are rumors that Darnell Nurse is injured and Leon Dreisaitl is also injured too. Um, and so they're both playing injured. Um, and obviously that has a big effect on their team. Um, and uh, Mike Smith has not looked so good. Uh, so that, that probably also has an effect. Uh, he's <laughs> like, there was an own goal uh, by, uh, by Mike Smith. Um, and yeah, he like a lot of the goals that were had by Mike Smith um, or that the Avalanche have had, um, well, like, we're easily savable. Um, so it's, it's um, yeah, I, I think this is where you start to see is like, oh, right, that, that's, like, you know, as good as the Oilers looked in the last round, it's like, this is why you don't rely on a 42-year-old goaltender. Um, so, um, and, you know, this is coming from a Bruins fan who <laughs> relied on a 42-year-old goaltender to win the Stanley Cup. Just, just want to call out to some guys that really haven't been playing as well as they yeah. should or that we know that they can. Yep. Um, Tyson Berry, didn't he lead all defensemen in points? And while he didn't get a single vote for yep. uh, the Norris, he still led all defensemen in points. Yep. He's gone pointless in three games in this series. Uh, Duncan Keith, I know he's not known for his offense, but he's also pointless in three games. Um, Jesse Pugliarvi, fourth overall pick in 2016, and maybe not the offensive dynamo that we thought he could be, is pointless in three games. That's that's not good enough. Like yep. Those are key contributors, guys that can be key contributors for this Edmonton Weathers team. And for whatever reason, uh, they they haven't been able to answer the bell in this series. And um, they're, they're uh, missing in action on the score sheet um, as also Kossi Oilers' theory, not just uh, spending time in the box. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, to be fair to Tyson Berry, he, or not to be fair, but uh, Tyson Berry has been very disappointing this this whole year um so it's not it's not just in the playoffs um and also like i think like evan bouchard and darnell nurse have kind of taken over the defensive responsibilities of the team uh versus duncan keith and uh tyson Berry. um true okay um and then let's see what else i have on this list oh yeah, right uh so um tim peel made some news again um I, you have the actual tweet, but uh, last year, if you remember, he's a referee who uh, got called out because he was kind of like uh, putting penalties on other teams, or he was told by the NHL to cut out penalties from the other teams to cancel out. Um, do you, ha you have the full 
you have the full quote uh, quote tweet that he had um, that he was reported to have deleted right away. Yeah, so um, there was a reply that um, uh, I'm not really comfortable with addressing because, like, maybe there's yeah. a reason it wasn't included in the Yahoo article, but it looked like someone replied. Yeah, uh, just say a, it was a racial that. slur. That's fine. We can. We don't have to that, say the actual. Something along the lines of that Muslim got what he deserved. Right. Which right. Um, whoever, whoever said that in the comments section, uh, it could, it might be Tim Peel. I don't know if it was somebody else, but it was in that comments section. Don't bring race into this, please. Yep. Like, just don't. Like, yep. it, it it never ends well for anybody. Nelson Kadri probably could care less what you think about his personality, but when you go after. When you go after, like, someone's culture or someone's family, like, it's just so toxic and yep. it hurts. It's so hurtful. Just just stop doing that. And you know what? Maybe there are some referees right. that can't stand certain players. There's always that one player that's just like, man, I got to officiate this guy now, man. Jeez, like, it's this league doesn't give me any easy assignments nowadays. Right. But you know what? They keep it close to their chest and they don't say anything. The second, even if you're behind the game and you're retired, the second you open your mouth and you say something like that, like karma, you, you lose all credibility and all integrity when you do that. Yeah. I mean, he already it, he already lost just, that, but yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's, have it's, an argue, it's an argument that you're going to lose all the yeah. time. So uh, anyone who had doubts that um, the NHL should have uh, handled Tim Peel the way that they did, I don't, I don't uh, feel... Um, I don't feel any reverse from what the NHL did to yep. appeal whatsoever if he's talking like that. It's, I mean, it's, it yeah. just sets the league back too. Like you're all True. about, oh, you know, hockey is for everyone and diversity and all this blah blah and blah. And then you have and a ref <laughs> saying this. Former yeah. official goes out and says that, and just like, yeah, good job. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's not largely shocking. I mean, we talked about this last week because you know, uh, Kadri had been receiving death threats because of his race um, as well. So it's um, from from St. Louis fans. So yeah, it's, it is unfortunate. But yeah, it, it does mean a little bit different when it's like coming from a ref instead of like fans. Because like fans are crazy, you kind of uh, know that. But like refs, like this is someone who's like, who has control of the games and, and all that stuff. Like saying that yeah, unbiased that control of the games by yeah. the way they have a job to, right, do right, to right, keep right. it as unbiased as possible right 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 so it's um so yeah it's like it's good riddance i mean i think at the time it's like yeah tim peel was kind of being a whistleblower to some extent of like you know that the nhl does try to cancel out penalties when there are none but yeah it's, it's not helping his cause that he's he turns out to be a, a racist person um, so I also like yeah. how he how he figured oh just delete it nobody screenshot right. it yeah right, people right. don't have a screenshot it, it's the it's the internet yes exactly. we we know it very very well I don't but a yeah. lot of people do right 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 um okay uh so uh, we uh we have um so now we'll go to the next series uh so actually this is this is kind of behind the scenes of Lisa up here. Um, usually Steve, or I, I, I assume, uh, actually no, Steve, Steve, uh, doesn't usually, um, go on any websites, uh, during our recording, which is, which is what he should be doing. Um, and I'm the one who, uh, updates him whenever there's breaking news. And I like, it, it's happened numerous times. 
on the show. Um, but uh, yeah, so the Rangers Tampa Bay game just finished um, a couple of minutes ago. Uh, before we started recording, it was two one Rangers, um, and then um, and then uh, do you want to guess uh, what the final score was, Steve? Uh, three three two Tampa. Oh, so you did find out? <laughs> no, I did. Okay. Did, did Tampa actually come back and win? Yeah, they did. Yeah, it was three two Tampa. Wow. That, that was a huge win. They, if they went 3-0, yeah. down, down, right. it's curtains. Yep. So uh, uh, Steven Samkos got uh, the second goal, and then Palat got the third goal. But get this, he scored with 47 seconds left in the game. So, uh, hey, Palat, fancy yeah. team. I'd take that. Yeah, I'd take yeah. that all week. Yeah, so, um, so there was that. So, yeah, now it's 2-1 Rangers in the series. Um, we will go over... Oh my, did you see the shot totals? I did not, know. They're 51-30 Tampa. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm legit. I'm looking at the shot totals. Yeah, no, I believe 15, it. 15-12 Tampa in the first, 17-12 in the second, 19-6 in the third. Wow, wow. So, Shashirkin almost stole that game. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Um, so, uh... We will get into the series in a bit, but we did want to, and we kind of, we kind of uh, foreshadowed it uh, when we were talking about the Canes obituary. Uh, but uh, Seth Jarvis uh, got injured by a Jacob Truba hit um, in the game seven, um, and yeah, he got knocked out. He was concussed, um, and uh, yeah, it did not look good. Uh, Truba, I don't think he even had a hearing for for it. Um, but this is the second time. In the, in the playoffs that Truba has had a questionable hit, a man has concussed a player. In the first round, he uh, concussed Sidney Crosby. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's, it's interesting, too, because you know, when I think of Jacob Truba, I don't really think of him as a dirty player. Um, but, yeah, these two examples are not a great look. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm sure, uh, like, not just... Uh, Hurricanes fans are angry, but I, I'm like Penguins fans are still angry at that because they because uh, Sidney Crosby's out and that had a big effect on their game. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it it is um, it is interesting that this has happened twice in one series, and Truba hasn't you know even been suspended or fined or anything like that for either of those two hits. By the way, so uh, speaking weird. of Jacob Truba tonight in Game Three, he took three penalties. Oh wow. That's crazy. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I guess it's just something to watch out for um, and, and look for, as you were just mentioning, <laughs> just, like, even just, like, noticing, like, the penalties and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, it's, it, it is kind of weird that he hasn't even had a hearing for either of those plays. Um, so, yeah, we'll see, I guess. Um, and then... Um, and then in terms of like, so the NHL, I'm looking at all these stats from NHL.com, so I don't have today's stats, um, but I do know that, um, hold on, I just lost it actually, um, <laughs> that. If you're looking for the stat sheet for today, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in terms of, uh, well, I was going to mention that, um, Filippito, Alexis Lafreniere, and uh, Capocacco 
um, have been kind of the story of the first two games at least. I don't think they scored today. So um, all of them, all of them went pointless yeah. today. None of them got a point. But even even still, it was uh, you know like even if you just take those two games, it was it was kind of cool. Uh, Phil Pedel has uh, he had two goals in game two, um, and then he had one assist in game one. Um, then you had Capocacco uh, who has two points, um, and then you have Lafreniere who also has uh, who had just had two assists. Um, this is like now they're all on the same line. This is on the third line as well. So it's like they're calling this the kid line because these were, I mean, I guess Hedl did have some hype to it. I was definitely hyped of him, but I feel like I was in the minority of that hype. But uh, Kako was the second overall pick for a reason. Um, and Lafreniere was the first overall pick for a reason. So there is some hype to all three of these Rangers. Um, and uh, yeah, they're all playing on the same line. Um, and yeah, they, they all look pretty good, um, together as well. So it is like, you know, they've all had kind of disappointing seasons, um, or careers so far. I'm, I'm not giving up hope on them just yet, but it is kind of encouraging to see that at least they're, you know, they're, they're doing something. Um, and you know, of course this doesn't mean that they're going to like, go to being what we expected them to be next season. Cause of course they still have to play, but like, you know, Ryan Strom's going to be a free agent. Uh, maybe they trade Chris Kreider over the offseason, and then, um, yeah, they have other decisions to make. But, um, but yeah, this this is, like, a good sign for them. It's like if, if you can get um, any three of those guys or all three of them those guys going, like, there's your depth issues. And, and like, it just it helps with their experience too. It's like, yeah, you, you, like these guys are still pretty young. Um, so you shouldn't necessarily give up hope on them. Um, but it is nice to see that they are at least like showing signs of what they can be, which is nice to see. The funny, the, the funny thing is about, uh, the, the New York Rangers depth is like, they were supposed to be leading the way. Right. But, like, you flash back to a couple of years and the Rangers send that letter to the fans and they're rebuilding. Right. You look at a young player like Philip Kiedel and then you get Capococco second overall in 2019 and then look your way into Alexis Lafrenia the year after first overall. Right. Like you're looking at guys that have like top six potential and all of a sudden they're playing bond six minutes because, oh, look at that. They have Artemi Panarin and they decide to keep Chris their Carter. starter and they still have Mika's advantage at. Yeah. And, and all of those guys. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's just been a revelation to see, you know, those guys starting to carry the youth movement torch and holding it up high and making those big plays. Like, Capo Caco, for example, in game two, that two-to-one goal, absolutely gorgeous deflection from Caco on that play. And uh, Keandre Miller as well, that bullet shot uh, to tie the game, uh, game two at one. Um, again, another part of that youth movement the Rangers have going on. Those guys, probably in that situation where the Rangers were in four to five years ago, those are guys you probably look at as regular top four defensemen, top six forward contributors. And it's those guys that are really carrying the load for the Rangers when they need it most. Yep. And uh, that's definitely a positive sign moving forward, regardless of how this series ends. Right, right. Um so actually breaking news here uh freeman reports that one game suspension for evander king so uh at least yeah yeah you did call it 
Yeah, um, and that one game probably buries the Oilers too. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see, um, or we'll we'll find out uh, tomorrow. Um, in terms of other Rangers, uh, we'll we'll go here. Um, so let me see if I so uh, Adam Fox has five assists, I'm including uh, his assist today. Um, so he leads the way. Um, Zabinajad had uh, has now five points as well. Uh, with a goal and an assist today, he had two goals and one assist in games one and two. I'm um, starting to think the Sens should have kept him. Yeah, um, you think? <laughs> you're, you're just finding that out? Um, I mean, yeah. when, when, in fairness, when they blew the team up, they probably would have traded him anyway. Right, right. Chris Kreider has uh, he has four points. Um, I'm I'm trying I'm doing math on the fly here because I'm including. Uh, he had a goal today, but uh, he had a goal and two assists in uh, the previous two games. Um, and then Frank Vitrano has three points. Uh, so, yeah, that's looking good. And, of course, like, Shashurkin has been uh, amazing so far. Oh, I, I'm not doing that math, but I, I know he's been really good. Um, yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned I didn't reply because my email inbox was full. But oh, there yeah. was a section of three straight games where he stopped 37 to 39 and right. won all of them. Yeah, yeah, not just uh, uh, these these past two games. Um, it was also Game 7. He had the exact same game score where he yeah. stopped. I forget the exact amount, but he gave up. I think it was like he gave up two goals in each game, and he stopped exactly 37, which means he had like 35 uh, saves um, or something like that. It's, I, I probably yeah, got the it number was wrong. 37 of 39, okay. all three. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even more for 39 shots. Yeah, yeah. And, and today he broke the trend by uh, stopping 48 of 51 right, right. and the Rangers lost, but hey. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's, that's what he should do. Yeah, even still, right? The Rangers have to make sure he stops. He has 37 saves each time. That's that's the only way they can win. <laughs> yeah, 37 yeah. saves or you lose. Right. Which, is, which by the I way, that, that was another thing for, uh, like, because... During Tampa's playoff run these last three years, um, he uh, like Tampa has never lost back-to-back games, um, and they finally did it this time um, against the Rangers. So, yeah, that's right. Uh, so there, there's that. Um, speaking of records being broken, um, okay. In terms of the Tampa Bay side of things, um, <clears throat> all right. Let's see if I can do this math really quickly here. Um, Anthony Sorelli had three points, but he didn't have any in these games. Uh, then you have um, Kucherov, who had two points in previous games, but he uh, yeah he had two assists and one goal um, in game three, so that would mean that he has five points. Um, now, Steven Stamkos had two points in previous, but he had a goal and an assist in this game, so that means he has four points. Um, Nicholas Paul has one point. Um, yeah, he didn't uh, do anything here. Victor Hedman had two assists. Um, and then, yeah, he had one assist here. So three points. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just, um, interesting. Um, I, I don't want to do this for every single person because that's just going to be a headache. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also don't know how that sounds like to everyone else. Um, but, um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely, um, you know, I, I think what was interesting is is in game one, the uh, the Rangers 
uh, ended up um, winning, uh, what was it, 6-2. to two. And, like, we all thought yeah. that after game one of the Edmonton-Colorado series, we were just thinking, like, okay, so we'll get the goalie duel um, for the, the other series. And it's like, and then the Rangers score six goals um, and Tampa gets two. So it's, um, yeah, it's definitely... Um, it was interesting, although like I guess the other ones, it has more or less been a goalie's duel. Like three two is more of what you're expecting because those are what th- that was the score of the the next two games. So um, so yeah, it, I mean, it'll definitely be interesting to see how the Rangers recover from this. Um, Tampa does have you know the experience on their side, so we'll we'll see how this goes. But yeah, I'm. Like I, I think this is like official that I'm on the Rangers bandwagon, and um, I'm hoping that they win. But um, but yeah, you can never. I guess this game in particular, it's just like you can never count out the Tampa Bay Lightning um, in the playoffs. Yeah, I I mean I feel like they're at the Golden State Warriors stage where right. it's just like oh man these guys in the finals again. Right. <laughs> but I mean like we're witnessing history. Like if Tampa yeah. somehow pulls off a three peat. I would say people are going to call me crazy because I wasn't alive when the Islanders dynasty happened. I would call this yeah. better than the Islanders dynasty just because it's been so much hockey over such a short period of time. And I said it multiple times on the podcast, the New York Islanders had, didn't have to go through a pandemic of this nature and win back-to-back Stanley Cups within the less of a full year span. Imagine doing that except it's three cups in, like, not even two full years. Like, that would be absolutely absurd. And Tampa Bay would be able to lay claim to that if um, they're able to make this happen. They're a third seed. They've been without home ice advantage in every single series they've played. And people forget that because, you know, Tampa is still a team that got, like, easily uh, 100-plus points. And they still have Andre Vasilevsky and all of that talent. And yet they're they're a third seed in a highly stacked metro division. And yep. Even the Rangers with the same amount of points, they have home ice advantage, and they, this this win gave them new life again. It, it would be curtains if they lost Game Three. Now at least they have a fighting chance, um, and if they tie the series, anything can happen. So, um, yeah, um, I, I I'm glad there's at least intrigue to one of these series because. It, it was definitely looking like it could be a quick conference finals, and I'm sure Bettman would like uh, the conference finals for at least one of these series to go a little bit longer, especially when the other one looks pretty much decided. So. Yep, yep. Um, all right, that about does it for us here at Lace Em Up. Um, actually, do you have any predictions for these two series? I don't really have any. You know what, I'm going to give the Oilers a shot, and I think they're going to extend their, their season by a couple of days, and they're going to take game four. They're not taking game five. That's where the joy ride ends. Um, uh, I called, did I call Rangers in seven or No, no, you said Tampa. I think you said Tampa in seven. Tampa in seven? Yeah. Um, because we, well, we, oh no, no, you, you had, sorry, sorry, we both had Tampa in six if it was Rangers Lightning. Okay, um, I'm going to say Tampa in seven, I still think they yeah. have what it takes to get it done, um, but I think they have to win game four, 
Yep. If if you give the Rangers three chances to finish the job, that's going to be a tough task with a fatigued team, no matter how good they are. Right. Um, so um, if if Tampa gets back in business and ties the series, going back to New York, um, I, I definitely think uh, the prospect of winning that series is easier. It's going to be very, very tough if they don't win Game 4. So I think Game 4 is going to hinge on, obviously, a lot as normally does the next game does alter the outcome of the series in most cases but um yeah it'll, uh, game four will alter my prediction i think uh, if the rangers win game four they win the series um tampa at the very least still has a fighting shot and i'll still pick them to win in seven even if i'm wrong if they win game four so right right yeah that's where i'm rolling cool. but uh the others are dead in the wire there's no there's no shot they win um, I mean, I, I won't say never say never, but yeah, it's it's coming. It's becoming clear that Mike Smith, they might have, they should have addressed the Mike Smith issue. Um, like you would, you would yeah, think that they would um, do something like that. But I mean, not that he's bad. It's just that yeah. like he's in his early forties. Right, right, right. Could have done better on the open market, and we said that multiple times. Right. It's it's not the fact that or, the Edmonton yeah. Oilers have to reverse sweep the Colorado Avalanche in order to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. It's the fact they have to reverse sweep the Colorado Avalanche, and they have to basically pry away a trip to the Cup Finals from the Avalanche's right. their hands four times in a row. Yeah. Like, one of those games, surely Colorado's going to win. Especially since one of them, they won't have a Vander King. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, I will say that um, oh, I, I just lost my train. <laughs> of course I lose my train of thought. Um, well, what what is interesting is is that the Oilers. Um, I I don't know if you saw this. I don't think I mentioned it to you, but uh, uh, the the Oilers have Konovalov in their system, but it turns out that they're about to let him go um, from his contract. Which means, and and if you remember uh, correctly, in the last year's draft, um, they were going to draft. They should have drafted Jesper Wallstead, but they uh, they drafted uh, Xavier Borgo um, instead, and he could be a nice player for them. But they should have drafted uh, Jesper Wallstead. Um, so it's just like that. That makes it even more baffling. So it's like like at the time, it's like okay, so maybe they just believe in Konovalov. But if they're not even going to sign Konovalov or like have him in their future plans, why didn't they just draft Wolstead instead? So that I don't understand. Um, and it, it, and like you know, obviously it's it's not like Wolstead would be the savior this year, anyways. So I I get that, but it's just like they didn't even like do anything. Like it's just like they just assumed that Mike Smith was going to be the issue. It's it's just. I don't know, like, or was, was going to be okay. It's just like, didn't they see what happened in the playoffs last year? Um, so Let that's me more know frustrating. that the Minnesota Wild had Hunter Jones in their system, Kakinen in the system, yep. playing NHL games and winning NHL games, and Cam Talbot already in the picture, and they still took Jesper right. Walsh yeah, one point. pick before the Oilers, oh, one pick after the Oilers decided to pass on him. Right. Fortune favors the bold people. Fortune favors the bull. Also, didn't the I thought the Oilers like traded it down. I think it was even worse than that. Like the Oilers traded yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They did. Yeah, they totally did. Yeah. Um. Let me just look back. 
back because I remember they're just like, oh, they're gonna go. They have Wallstead's on the board. Wait, what do you mean they traded down? What? Yeah, yeah, it's even worse. <laughs> um, it's uh, let's see here. I think they. I think Minnesota traded with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Minnesota traded yeah, with was, Edmonton. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Minnesota <laughs> trades up to get Wallstead. Right. Uh, for first and, and then, third. Yeah, and uh, then Lee Lee Sell Yeah, then the Bruins take Lee Sell after. Yeah. yeah. And then the Bruins take Lee Sell right after Wallstead, and then Borgo uh, gets drafted by Edmonton. So yeah, it's even worse. <laughs> um yeah, that's on the that's on that same level of like the other baffling thing where uh the Oilers traded uh, their, in 2015, they traded their pick to the Islanders um, and, uh, for Griffin Reinhardt, and the Islanders ended up picking Matthew Barzal. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was not good. Um, anyways, um, in, uh, yeah, so you can follow us on Twitter, uh, Facebook. Um, our Twitter is LaceM Podcast. Our Facebook is LaceM Up. Um, you can also follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 324 of the Lace Up Podcast. <laughs>